All right, guys, welcome in. That's our first, uh, it's our first three-way quickie. Anything? It's, well, it'll be it'll be a disappointment if it if it is over that quickly. I would say I would I was hoping this was going to go nearly full length. Well, that's fine too. So we're we're doing something a little differently here, guys. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about some wine, about the wines that we're going to be drinking as we then probably roll into a little bit of movie discussion and maybe what those wines would pair with. Well, um, Lee, um, I was going to say, sorry to interrupt your intro, um, but it's a, it's a tradition now. We used to do an episode, uh, a segment called Beers with Get Your Film Fix, but now yep. that we're more sophisticated, um, mm-hmm. smarter, exactly. older, you know, well-aged gentlemen of the world. Young at heart. Young at, yeah. young at heart, but, but well... Um, yeah. Well aged, experienced. We uh, we've we've yeah. sort of changed that segment into something different, which you're about to introduce. Since Wine, the guy who you can see a Coors Light yeah. right in the window. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the end of wines it too, with so. get your film fix. Um, so I guess we should I, I should open. I mean, part of the reason, and it's by it's you know far from the main reason, but part of the reason we were sort of forced to, you know take a long hiatus from the get your film fix podcast is because we weren't able to you know monetize it in a way that could sustain our you know lives so we Unlike had to get on with our, now had to get on with our jobs um and you know i started working in wine so um as a result i i developed a, a passion for wine and uh, i gained some knowledge on it, uh, hopefully some that I can share with you guys and our listeners as we taste a few wines and and talk about them. Um, but I also yeah, so was like, thinking about... Can I, can I just say like... Just uh, interrupt so, too also? Yeah. yeah, I'd like to interrupt as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like to give you an idea of sort of uh, Lee's expertise, if you ever want to know like how much you overpaid for a bottle or <laughs> how bad it is... <laughs> Lee's really great at letting you know that. You want to feel bad yeah. about a purchase. Yeah, quick, if you want, if you're enjoying a wine and you don't want to be enjoying it anymore, well, yeah, you'll see an example of that in probably just a couple minutes when they show me which wines they've chosen for tonight. But I, um, I was thinking about this earlier today, and I was just like, I'm, I, I was trying to wonder. I was like, I was wondering why I seem to take such a liking to movies, you know, especially through college and after college, and like you know, developed a passion for studying that and then eventually, you know, made a career in wine and, and kind of took a passion to studying that. And I, you know, on the surface, it doesn't seem like there's really all that much in common. But what I do think is really interesting about the two of them is is how you can enjoy both with no real knowledge of them at all, <clears throat> other than just your surface-based knowledge. But that's interesting. Th- the yeah. more you learn about both of them, the more interesting it becomes. The more things you find, the more things you look for, and I and I do think that there is an, another level of enjoyment that can be gained from both movies and wine. So I think maybe that's the connection that I have found that's drawn me to both of those. So hopefully we've got some good wines in front of us tonight. We each picked out a bottle that we just had. We didn't really go out of our way to pick anything too special. Just um, something that we had that we could talk about. I'll talk to these guys a little bit about the wines they chose um and we'll and we'll taste them together and and hopefully you guys can follow along have some wines with you and um and if you have questions of course email us feedback at get your film guys if you have questions for me please ask them and don't worry we're going to talk about movies too it's inevitable we always do 
Well, so, can I can I say one thing? Go for it. So I mean, Jeremy made fun of you, but I I think that uh, you know we've got a rather, I would like to as well. We've got several. <laughs> we've got several uh, pretty pretty well uh, established ABVs. Am I saying that right? There, uh, ABYs. What am I saying, Lee? What are you talking about? Wine, Abbreviation wine, for wine, alcohol by volume. No, 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 wine regions. What do we call that? Oh, a, well, it depends on where you're talking about. AOC is France. Okay, um, in America. Is, we're in America, mate. No, I'm going to take back America, this fucking compliment now. I'm so mad at you. <laughs> Why? What's um, it called? Appalach- Appalachians is the word you're looking for. Okay, well, we have several pretty well-known wine regions around where I live, and so wine tasting is a pretty uh, pretty common hobby. But And so I've been a bunch of times. But the both, we've been together. The, the couple times I was going to say that I enjoyed the most were the time I got to go with the two of you, um, and especially, I mean, obviously, I, I enjoy your guys's company. You know, forty to fifty percent of the time I'm with you, and uh, <laughs> and uh, but mostly because Lee knows a lot about wine, and it's always fun to go with a guide. Much like I would hope that some people would consider, you know, our podcast. I think there's other metaphors bringing it together. Oh, like we're just going to keep doing that. Okay. All right, so guys, what do you got? What do you got? In, what would you uh, bring along with you? Well, on the lighter side, I have a Stoller Family Estate 2018 Chardonnay, unoaked, that I bought yesterday because I uh, had some uh, oysters delivered, and you recommended an unoaked Chardonnay, Lee, that I thought I would get. Stoller is a winemaker out in the Dundee Hills, where the, the three of us went the last time we were here wine tasting. Great. Yeah, and, how'd, um, how'd, how'd the pairing okay. go, Chapin? It was, it was very nice, very nice. I also have another bottle of wine. It's a red, it's a red blend from the Columbia Valley, which is um, in the Washington side, which is further northeast of Portland. So um, it's a really cool wine region that is not quite as sort of stuffy and expensive as the uh, the sort of Pinot Noir dominated Chardonnay dominated regions that are sort of just west of Portland. Um, it's a hotter region. So you've got like um, kind of tobacco type flavors, stronger, uh, beefier reds, um, Cabernet, stuff like that. Syrah, red blends. It's a very big region. Um, extends from a lot of Washington state dips a little bit into Oregon um jeremy what do you got so i have a uh and lee you're gonna have to pronounce it for me but a chateau hot griron how close was i uh well so it's like you're pronouncing the people from parasites name (laughs) yeah like that (laughs) yeah so Um, close so a lot of pronunciations for when you see bordeaux you'll see it's tricky i mean i'm not gonna you know, criticize anybody for getting French wine labels wrong. Um, the H-A-U-T, a lot of people pronounce hot. It's actually pronounced O. Um, yep. The H is silent, pronounced O. So O-Grion is the wine Apparently you have. Apparently the T is silent too. You and shouldn't, yeah. That's there's just, a O instead of an A and a U. They yes, couldn't have just exactly. written O. Why can't they just write O? Yeah. Right, you got to confuse us. Oh. Well, so don't don't be too hard on yourself. So the one of the most famous wines That's in the world That's what I'm called, for. <laughs> is, called, is called Chateau Aubryon, which is from Bordeaux. And when that wine was first discovered way, way, way back, the person that wrote about it 
wrote something and similar to the letters we've been writing, Jeremy, and kind of that mm-hmm. language. And said, I came across a, a lovely elixir called Hot Brian. And so everybody's <laughs> always said it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, everyone just he, thought he, he also was homosexual. Found a wine. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so right, it's a so. 2015 Bordeaux. And the little I do know about wine, uh, it, on our honeymoon, we went to Paris and we took Me a and wine Jeremy's class. Honeymoon. And uh, it's just my honeymoon, yeah. Um, and we did we did a lot of tasting of Bordeaux, and apparently 2015 is supposed to be a really good vintage. And um, we we kind of I mean we definitely learned. I don't know how much I remember. We learned about the labels and how to tell. Uh, I guess you can be you can clarify, but I know there's different layers to the label as mm-hmm. far as how accurate or the the grapes are there. Uh, I don't know. You can obviously explain it yeah, better yeah. So, than I can, but it's something like that. And the uh, biggest difference been... between between uh, European wine labels and American wine labels is that um, in America and South America, Australia, what what they call the New World wine countries, they they put the name, the varietal, the grape varietal on the label very often, right on the front: Cabernet Sauvignon, Chardonnay, whatever it is. Um, those old world countries like France, Spain, Italy rarely do that they write the region and the idea is that certain grape varietals are grown in those regions certain blends are made so if you know the region you know the grape variety so it takes a little bit of learning to get it but you know it just takes it just takes that little bit of understanding of what grapes come from what regions which can be intimidating um so Lee, I've got what, an Italian makes, wine. what makes a 2015 a good year what happens why does it why does that uh how does that so it's a lot a of things year? um you know the climate, the rainfall, um, the the diurnal range, which is basically the the daytime temperature versus the evening temperature. Ideally, you want warm days, cool nights. Um, so there's a lot of things that go into it. I mean, in certain regions of the world, they have to deal with things like hail, and if obviously if something like that happens, that can impact the crop and raise prices because they'll have lower yields. Um, so there's a lot of things that go into it, but I essentially it just has it. You know, the the climate and the terroir, which are sort of like the quote unquote mise en scène of the wine world, the thing that just is this all encompassing idea that says, okay, if these things are good, then the wine is good. Um, in 2015, things worked out in Bordeaux. Now they called it the vintage of the century. It's actually the third uh, third year that's been declared the vintage of the century in the last six years in Bordeaux. Um, so 2009, <laughs> 2010, and 2015 all declared the vintage of the century. So, do you have um, a preference? Do you? Uh, so actually, I don't really particularly like the styles of those wines. Um, I don't dislike them, but those wines, 2015, especially 2010, uh, they have a tendency to be higher alcohol, bigger. Um, more tannic. They take longer to age, so it's sometimes trickier to drink them younger, which means it's hard to find good value. Um, vintages like 2012 and 2014, uh, while they didn't rate as high for Bordeaux, there were wines that were more approachable at a younger age, so you could drink a 2014 vintage wine in 2016 or 17 or now, where 2010, some 2010 Bordeaux are still really not all that drinkable because they're very very tannic they just haven't opened up the way that they're uh they're meant to be so you're not really enjoying it the way it's intended um i don't want to spend a ton of time getting into like logistics of aging wines and everything like that because it's just hard to 
cover all of it in a you know um, efficient way in an entertaining way. Um, I know we want to get to drinking. I've got an Italian wine. It's called Cantina del Nebbiolo Barbaresco. Barbaresco is a region in Piedmont, which is in northwest Italy. Nebbiolo is the name of the grape that they use, exclusively Nebbiolo. So this is a good example of how you can look at a label, say Barbaresco, that's the region. All they make there is Nebbiolo, so you know the grape is Nebbiolo, even though it doesn't say it on here. It's a coincidence that the name of the winery is Cantina del Nebbiolo. just happens to be a coincidence. But, guys, first step is to pour your wine. Oh, Which so one? Should, should I drink the Chardonnay first? Whatever you want, Chapin, whatever you want. Can I ask about the glass? Yeah, go for it. Glassware. So glassware. Um, as far as my understanding, in the wine world, nobody really cares that much about the glassware. Uh, glassware, but like I have, I have my own preference. Like, sure, I like a bigger, wider. There's two things. There's there, there are literally. Riedel has made a fortune on designing specific glassware for specific varietals. Um, Chapin, is that a Riedel glass? looks like one it is they're expensive <laughs> they're expensive they're it's austrian crystal um you know Ooh. i don't have any I've, I've done a i've done a seminar with riedel that's that's fascinating where you taste the wines in the correct glass and then in the incorrect glass and you absolutely can tell the difference so really the short answer is the short answer is that the glass does make a difference but it doesn't really matter they you probably can enjoy the wine glasses with something weird huh yeah <laughs> You can enjoy the wine in any glass. Now, the flip side of it, Jeremy, and I honestly think that this is a big part for you, and I think it is for me too, is part of drinking wine is the experience you're having. When you're drinking right. in like this thick, heavy, goblet-like wine glass, it's just not. Well, I don't as, like the I don't like the heaviness of it. I yeah, actually like a light, I like want, like the one Chapin has. Yeah, you want a delicate glass, yeah. like you just. It's just sort of about the experience. It's the same idea as like a cork versus a screw cap. There's like absolutely fantastic, really expensive wines that have screw caps, but people look down on a screw cap where a cork is, you know, the the correct way to do it. And there's a certain romanticism and a certain elegance to pulling the cork on a bottle of wine as opposed to just unscrewing the top. So it's, you know, or drinking beer out of a bottle versus a can. There was always a little stigma about that. So it's just sort of has to do with preference. you it's know, preference, but like drinking, I, I see it like glass compared to aluminum is a different experience altogether. It is, but so is Chapin's glass and your glass. But it's not the yeah. But they're still glass. made out of glass. I mean, his is obviously made out of crystal and right <laughs> fairy um, semen. But I don't, I don't think it is crystal. It is. Is it? Well, uh, I don't know if it's crystal. It's Austrian glass. I don't know if it's crystal. It's got some good legs. Anyway. I I guess my thing is that, like, I I mean, (laughs) what? I'm just laughing because Chapin's already almost done his first <laughs> Yeah. So I poured a we little bit. I only poured a little bit. Uh, we haven't we even talked about tasty. drinking it yet. I was waiting to that part. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Let me show you how this is done. I'm going to just quote the whole scene from Sideways, okay? Okay. Swirl it around uh, in your glass. I should probably right, get guys? some more wine in there, probably. Oxygenating, it opens it up. It releases the aromas, okay? That's important. Okay? Then we smell it, okay? Well, first, you really want to look at it. Hopefully, you guys got some good light. You want to take a look at it. Don't hold it up to the light and look up oh, at it. Look shit. down Look down on it. Let the light shine down on it. So you want to hold it to, hold it kind of tilted like, like this, Like you're guys. better than it. I get it. You hold it a little tilted. That way you can see it 
see the color differentiation towards the rim, which will give an indicator of age. Mine's a 2014. Jeremy, yours is 2015. Yours probably hasn't shown too much diff- color differentiation just because you have a darker wine. Um, Chapin, it's a little bit more difficult with whites. Um, ideally, a, Chapin with red. yours. Uh, we can talk about your red after. With yours, Chapin, on oak Chardonnay, you're going to have, you know, almost like, you know, piss if you drank a lot of water that day. Um, Jeremy, <laughs> if you're pissing yours, <laughs> then we got another problem. <laughs> well, I, um, I, I probably have the virus. Then, <laughs> then the other thing you want to do, you just look straight down through it, through the top. And if you can see the if you can see the um, the rim of your wine glass, then that tells you that it's a little bit less deep in color. It's more medium in color or lighter in color. Right. Um, I can't. And so you just kind of evaluate it with that. And then of course the legs you want to look at. Best thing that the legs can tell you is the alcohol content, the viscosity of the wine. If you have mm-hmm. thick, slow moving legs on the side, um, chances are you have a higher alcohol wine. I like them thick. Thick, thick legs, high alcohol. Okay. Then you smell it. All right, guys? Don't be shy. Really get your nose in there. Okay? This is the most melon. intimidating part. I smell part. melon. Okay. This is the most intimidating part for people because people don't... It's it's hard to, you know, uh, retrieve the aromas that you're getting. So... I smell wine. <laughs> okay. I mean, you're not wrong. No, I smell black cherry. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> Perfect. So sometimes you don't have to go any further than that, Jeremy. With your wine, probably that's it. Yeah, there's just, I, just, I put black cherries, black cherries on it. Um, then you sit. Common mistake people do with wine tastings, and this is a good note for people. Usually you go to a wine tasting at a store, and they give you a little dinky cup, and they pour you a little shot. And you kind of just throw it back, um, which completely defeats the purpose because then people will be like, ah, it's a little bit bitter. So the back of your tongue has the taste receptors for bitterness. So if you throw something back like that, all you're gonna, your wine's going to come in p- contact with is the bitter receptors, mm. whereas other parts of your tongue detect savoriness and sweetness and so on, like the tip of your tongue gets sweetness. So you want to make sure you roll it around in your mouth a little bit, try to get everything you can. And then you think about those aromas that you smelled and see if you can taste them, see if you notice anything else. Uh, Try to think about the body of the wine. Does it feel heavy on the palate? Does it feel light? Um, Usually if it tastes a little hot, that can be an indicator of higher alcohol or an unbalanced amount of alcohol. Acidity, um, if you're feeling like your mouth watering underneath your tongue, that tells you it's some high acid wine. Um, Usually makes you want to go back for another sip pretty quickly. So those are all the things that you factor in. I have a practical question about that say Mm -hmm. you're at like a dinner party everyone's gathered around and you get there's a new glass of wine and you want to you want to be professional about it you're like i really want to try this but everyone else is already having a conversation and you're talking and so everybody else is already this is what people will normally do hey yeah that was a good idea Mm. and then this happened and then Mm -hmm. you're over here going yeah that's you're talking to somebody and then you're like So well, you're not tasting the <laughs> wine at the dinner party, are you? Well, you can. But you well, don't what have if to, it is? What if you, you want don't, to? Well, you, you know do. I mean. You can. 
you don't have to do it. First of all, you don't have to do it noisily. So you could, you could well, do. I, I, ha- I had to for the podcast. Mm-hmm. People had to get the idea. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with like, kind of just evaluating the wine quickly. And look, when you're in a when you're in a circumstance like that, you're not going to like sit down and you know spend five minutes evaluating the wine. Like when I took my wine tests. You literally spend like five minutes on each wine, five or ten minutes on each wine, like really Is evaluating wine test everything. Tough because it gets harder as you go because you get drunker, or do you have to spit out? Well, you technically spit, but what the test I took, I only had to, I only had to evaluate two wines. Um, but um, it's hard when you have to do it blind. So, um, yeah, I mean, you just do it quickly. You just stick your nose in, try to get a uh, sense of the smell, what you get, and then you taste it and try to figure out what you get. You don't have to go through the whole, you know, systematic tasting sheet. The idea behind that is to be able to identify, you know, the flavors and aromas you're getting, the weight of the wine, the alcohol percentage, and then associate those with certain regions of the world and where those types of things come from based on climate, soils, microclimates, whatever it may be. And then you can identify the wine that way. Um, it's tricky. You can't just do it 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 takes time you have to learn you have to be able to teach yourself how to taste wine and then you also have to learn all the regions of the world and what what happens there so anyway that's the quick 101 101 on tasting wines guys how do you like your wines actually i i like it i like mine too i'm not you know a big white wine person but um i i do like this i i found that i i really enjoy the chardonnays especially in um Especially out here, the Oregon Chardonnays are pretty good. So a lot of Oregon Chardonnays are unoaked, Chapin. Um, what does uh, that mean or at exactly? Least minimal oak. So it means that they don't age them in oak barrels. They age them in stainless steel. Mm. So ultimately it has an effect that it... You get a greater expression of the varietal. Oak can be a pretty dominant flavor. Um, yep. And it's used on, you know, tons of wines, reds and whites. But um, and it kind of makes it more buttery, right? It makes it a little heavier, and well, so the oak doesn't necessarily make it buttery. That's something called malolactic fermentation, um, which <laughs> is it's a it's a chemical process that turns that turns uh, lactic acid into malic acid, which Love gives it a creamy, acid. buttery flavor, and that's pretty common in like wines too. Life. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put this one away, I think, because I I want to move on to the red. Okay. okay. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think, like you know, I think of Chardonnay as being heavier. Maybe I'm wrong to say mm-hmm. that, but uh, no, you're not. Uh, it's a this, it's a heavier wine. This one, this one, I enjoy. It's, I could I could see this drinking it on a crisp summer's day. Now so I'm move I, on to it, the red. The oak can add weight to the wine, um, so an unoaked chard can be a little bit more delicate and lighter, and that's why it goes nicely with oysters, Chapin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, oysters so, and Chablis. So can is we also talk about how pairings. how Chapin is living it up in quarantine? He's getting oysters delivered. I know. Well, I don't know if I will trust an oyster delivered to me. Yeah. I will say, well, first of all, they were great, totally trustworthy, shipped in a day from Washington. I also, I will, have to, I will say that Jeremy, you know, continuing on our um, uh, confessions from a seventy-two uh, hour fast. Yes. Um, I did a lot of dumb things food-wise while not eating during the fast, like ordering $75 worth of um, keto cereal. Yeah. 
That's just um, and then implying no to my to mom that she should send me thirty six oysters that I knew I wasn't going to be able to eat. So um, wait, so when did you get the oysters? During the yes, fast or after? After I got them yesterday. Oh, so you're fine with that? Wait, so yeah, these I, I can uh, only, were, these were separate oysters? I can only eat so many of them. That's true. At that time when you ordered them, you thought you could eat all thirty six. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I didn't. True. Yeah, I mean, I just, I but, well, I just wanted oysters, and that's that's the fewest they'll they'll ship. Yeah, um, one of the one of the things you learn by your later fasts is don't go on fl- food blogs. Don't look at like Thrillist. Don't oof. like there's th- don't order great. food. This is great. This is all right. I wish you, I Jason, wish you could try this. That. So Mark Mark Ryan Mark Ryan Red Blend um, from PTR Sellers. What vintage do you have? Uh, 2017. Okay, so that's why I got pulled up here. 60% Cabernet Sauvignon. 25% Merlot, 15% Malbec from Columbia Valley, 14.4% alcohol. Um, so, I mean, this is a pretty common type of uh, what they'll call a Bordeaux-style blend from, from Washington State or from, from you know, the West Coast. California does a lot like this, too. Um, Chapin, big fruit, rich flavors, you know, rich flavors, heavy smooth, wine. Smooth. Um, it's got, like, a kind of buttery consistency. Sure. Um, it's got that, uh, I mean, I'm looking at the flavor notes here and I guess it's, it's probably vanilla. I think of it as tobacco. I don't smoke tobacco, so I don't really know, but it's got like a little bit of a spice to it, like the finish. Um, yeah. So a lot of what you're describing is the oak influence. So that, um, vanilla tobacco, um, you know, woodiness, spicy notes, baking spices, all of that, a lot of that comes from, from aging in oak, um, you know, I would bet that this wine has at least 12 months aged in oak, um, you know, maybe longer. Um, so that, you know, you're going to get a lot of that flavor. That's a, a wine that will, you know, probably improve as it gets older. Um, does it have, so are you guys familiar with tannin? I know yes. it's sort of a yes. dirty word for the novice wine drinker, but it's really not a bad thing. It's just it's something the shit that, that's at it's the bottom a, of the a glass when you're done with it, right? No, that's sediment. Oh. Tannin, tannin is a is a chemical com- is a chemical compound that that comes from. Is it preservative? Um, no, that's sulfite. Fuck's sake! God, stop guessing, guys. <laughs> you asked. Well, and you both said. Well, Chapin said yes, and then guessed wrong. You said no. Yeah, I just yeah, I said no, and I guessed. Okay, so it's a it's a chemical compound that basically um, serves the purpose of structuring the wine. Uh, it comes from the stems and the skins of the grape. It also comes out of comes off of the oak if you age uh, age the wines in oak. And on a very young wine or on certain styles of wine, the tannin can be very very noticeable. If you ever drink one of those wines, you notice it almost kind of like drying your teeth out. Sure. Um, yeah. You know it. You that, know it I when you that taste going it. Going with this one. Okay. So and that makes sense. The 2015 Bordeaux will have some tannin on it. Uh, as the wines age, the tannin will dissipate. And there's certain levels of tannin. Some are firmer, some are more ripe. And there's also a kind of a preference on where that tannin stands in, in terms of how you enjoy the wine. So some people say, well, this wine needs to age. It won't be good for 20 years. But some people may prefer it at that 10-year mark or that 5-year mark, just to kind of depending on where you like it. Um, so, Chapin, are you getting much tannin from that wine, just to get back to why I brought well, this up? A little up? bit, a little bit, but not, not too much. Um, because that can be an indicator of how long the wine can age. So if you're getting a, a lot of big, rich fruit, you know, big mouthful, a lot of oak flavors, and no tannin, 
maybe it's lacking that extra structural dimension, then it might just be a wine, drink it now, enjoy it now. It's not really going to improve. It's just going to kind of stay the same. Um, whereas something like with yours, Jeremy, you might not have the same kind of fruit intensity that Chapin's has, but you'll get maybe, you know, five years out of that wine, you know, something like that. Five minutes. Now that five I started. minutes out of that wine. Can I ask you about sulfite? I know that's a controversial It is, and issue. it shouldn't be. Okay. Um, Why? Well, it's is it a health. It's a health controversy. Uh, I don't know what it is. So it basically began when you know uh, labels were required to put contained sulfites on the back of the wine. So people <clears throat> freaked out, you know, because they think that you know sulfites aren't good for you. Sulfites give them headaches, and it's just and it's not really true. just the alcohol. It's just not true. I mean, it's not true. So there is so little amount of sulfur in wine that it actually is like below the percentage that would be like deemed uh, safe for somebody with a sulfite allergy. Like there is, there's more sulfite on like an almond, one single almond than there is in a case of wine. Um, So it's, it's a silly misconception that people have developed and people ask for sulfite free wines, which absolutely 100% just is impossible, does not exist. Um, there's this company called, I think it's called Uli, like U L L I, that invented this really expensive device that works a little bit like a aerator that you pour the wine through and it removes the sulfites. Uh, totally unnecessary, but you know, people will buy it because they think um, it's necessary. Um, and anyway, I, you know, maybe there's people that have a different school of thought on this than me, but uh, the large majority of wine professionals that know anything about anything know that s- sulfur in wine is not something to even talk about. But it became a huge, huge thing. Um, people looking for wines without sulfur or reduced sulfur. And you'll see on some wine labels that say there's no added sulfur. Um, and that's a thing. Now, sulfur exists because it's in the skins of the grapes. It's in the stems of the grapes. Uh, it's in the uh, oak that the wine is aged in. But some, in some cases, if you're harvesting grapes on one site and have to transport it to another, they'll have all the grapes in a truck and they'll spray it with sulfur to preserve them until they get to the crusher. Some places don't do that and can say no added sulfites, but no winery can say no sulfites. It just doesn't exist. There you go. And that settles that great sulfite debate. The great sulfite debate on the Get Your Film <clears throat> Fix podcast. So speaking of Get Your Film Fix, let's talk about sideways in relation to... Because obviously Indeed. you saw that before you knew what you know now about wine, long yep. before that. And yep. how has your appreciation for that movie changed based on your knowledge of wine or opposite? Um, it's it's so it has grown but really not necessarily just because of sideways um there was a there's a new movie released on on netflix um this week last week called uncorked did either of you guys stumble Chip, across are you this? going back to the white i'm gonna go back and forth what do you think is that okay <laughs> sure well there's something else to talk about <laughs> Going back and forth between whites and reds. Yes. Um, so there's this there's this movie that was just released on Netflix called Uncorked. Um, mm. Documentary? 
No, no, no. It's a uh, it's a narrative movie about a about a character who wants to become a master sommelier. Mm. Um, but his father protests and wants him to take over the family barbecue business in Memphis. Um, classic story. That classic stars, story stars a lot of unknowns. Courtney B. Vance is uh, plays the father. Um, oh who yeah, I saw. I saw, in, um, um, I saw um, ads for ads for this. Yeah, yeah. So this got a sixty three on Metacritic. Um, I mean, look, the movie was not great. I, it it had some pretty bad acting. Um, you know, there's a there's a cameo by a, an actual master sommelier, sommelier called, uh, named Dylan Proctor. Um, if you've ever seen the documentary Psalm, you've seen him. Um, he has a cameo in it real quick, which told me that, you know, they had some people involved in the project that knew about wine. So maybe they were giving its, you know, its, its due respect. And I'm watching this movie and I'm listening to this main character. His, his name is, uh, the main character's name is Elijah. And he's trying to become a master sommelier. And throughout the movie, he's pronouncing things wrong. He's at a bar where he orders a certain wine, and the bar t- and he orders a. He's like, "Do you have the such and such Shiraz from Australia?" And and the bar t- and they and he gets into a, a an educated discussion with the bartender about about which wines they have, and he says, oh, "I have a French Shiraz." Now, for most people, that doesn't mean anything, but to me, that means that they don't know what the fuck they're talking about because in France you don't call Shiraz Shiraz you call it Syrah uh, it's the same grape but it's called something differently It's so the fact that this movie didn't know what the fuck it was talking about with wine as it's telling this story about somebody t- trying to achieve the, the highest honor in the field was frustrating now back to your question Jeremy what I appreciate so so much about Sideways now that I've learned a lot about wine is it respects the shit out of wine it gets everything right it talks intelligently about it, and it integrates that into a great movie. I loved that movie beforehand for for all that it is, uh, but it it gets wine right, and I think that that's great. Um, you know, Bottle Shock is not a great movie, but that does a pretty good job at getting things right with wine as well. Um, so yeah, I think, I think we saw so that the, in the theater, the pro- didn't we? The producer that did uh, the movie, the Leslie Bibb movie. I worked with the producer of Bottle Shock. Um, the movie he did after that was that one that you guys reviewed way back when. Oh, Miss Nobody. Yeah. The first yeah. So, and I Bottle Shock's on. about a very famous event um, called the Judgment of Paris, which took place in um, in 1976 when there was a blind tasting competing French wines against American wines um, with all these you know French judges that didn't respect American wines and. An American, uh, a California wine, but one in the blind tasting in both the red and the white, and it's telling that story. It's kind of an amazing story. It's what put California wines on the map. And the movie is is not great. You got Chris Pine in this this absolutely ridiculous looking wig. He plays Bo Barrett, who's a winemaker at Chateau Montalena. Um, and it's just you know it's it's not a great movie. But when they talk about wine, they sound like they know what they're talking about. And I you know just like any other subject matter, you want there to be an, a level of authenticity with your movies and sideways does an amazing job with that and it doesn't dumb it down but it also is accessible i think you know you don't have to understand all the language that miles is using throughout the film but you understand what he's getting at you get the point that he knows wine and jack doesn't 
and that actually leads to some good comedy in that movie. So I think that's great. One thing I was sort of surprised about, you know, you, Lee, you and I loved Sideways when we first lived together in, in L.A. Uh, in 2007, 2008. And we'd always sort of dreamed about doing a trip similar to that up to Santa Barbara County. Um, and by that time, your now wife had moved up there and literally was working at the place where. Yeah. Sandro. Uh, Calira, works, yeah. yeah where, um, yep. And I always thought from that movie that that region of California wines was fairly prestigious and, and maybe it is, but I was sort of surprised when we got there that it wasn't quite Napa Valley, I guess is, is sort of what I'm tr- trying to say. It wasn't Sonoma. Um, and, it's, and, and it's in my recollection waste, it's of smaller. it, smaller. Yeah. Yeah. It's smaller. In my recollection of it, it, it even isn't as quite as fancy or at least wasn't as at that time as like the, as Oregon wine region. Um, so it's it's I, uh, that was surprising to me. It was like, oh, this isn't quite like the snobby places that I expected. Um, well, there's a couple things that go into that. I mean, you have to re- realize how commercialized Napa Valley has become. Um, so it's just much more famous. I mean, you go to the right wineries in Napa Valley, you're going to get an experience similar to what you get in the Santa Barbara County. Mm-hmm. But if you go to the you know fam- if you go to Camus, if you go to uh, um, Stag's Leap, if you go to, you know, Groth, you know, Frank family, like those those wineries, while some of them have good wines, some of them, Camus blows. And I'm so glad I can say that on a on a forum now without getting, you know, somebody criticizing me. Fuck, we had just got um, that email from them. They were going to be our only sponsor. Well, their wines suck, so. Um, they, uh, if you go to those wineries, you're going to get, uh, you know, more commercialized experience and sometimes that's cool because those places those facilities are amazing i mean the wineries are they're super cool so they're fun to go to Um, i I do have a question about that because like every time we go to these these wineries i'm just in awe of how beautiful they are how much money is spent there like the life these people who own it lead like we talked to that one guy from from or like it, it just blows my mind and I, I always wonder like are all how does this happen for all these people are they all just independently wealthy and buy land and start it up or well, that guy that guy had been been in the game since the beginning that guy like, had yeah. that guy had but a lot what of them was his seem name like, Rocco from Rocco Wineries that was on one of my that Roland, was a, roll rolling yeah Rolling souls from Rocco Winery in, in Willamette. But a lot of them, is, the story is, oh, we retired and we like uh, wine, I, so we wanted I, I to I always get got a kick out of that. It. Like, anybody could do it. Like, oh, we just and decided to buy a vineyard. Oh, what so did that, you do? So th- oh, we were hedge fund managers in San Francisco. Oh, well, yeah. fuck you. Because <laughs> I think so, that it, would be, like, how great would that be if we all just could buy a winery and obviously Lee would do all the work, run it, do all that. Chapin and I would test the wines. We'd do a lot yeah, of this. So test that's them. what makes, now look, in their defense. Oh, they, we like, crashed it the is, truck into the vines again. It is a hard. <laughs> we, <laughs> we ran over the pickers. In, in, in their defense, it is it is hard work, but it's what makes, back to sideways, it's what makes that, that scene so fucking funny when jack says to miles here's what i'm thinking we move up here we buy a vineyard you handle the wine i'll handle all the business and stuff (laughs) like it's literally the conversation you guys just had like anybody can do it and uh, so i always get a kick out of that when people say that to me be like oh yeah we 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 you know we were both working in new york and we just loved it out here so we moved out here and bought 
you know, 15 acres of, <laughs> of vines. It, it makes it seem like they're also drinking all day. Like, they're always there drinking, because why well, wouldn't you be? They are, I'm sure. Um, I don't know. That, it, that yeah, I mean, look, it's like probably, the ideal It's life. probably I, similar I, to how people feel about us. They're like, oh, these guys... Is, Watching all these great movies just, all the time. Just in their like, basements you know. by themselves. <laughs> uh, and it's not like, like if you want, like if you compare it to breweries, it's it's a different thing. It's you've not seen one, you've seen them all. Aren't, well, yeah, you don't go there and it's not this spectacular. I mean, you they're fun to go to, obviously. We all enjoy doing it and trying the beers, but it's not the experience you get at a winery and you, you're not sort of overtaken by the, the sort of lavishness of it um, at a brewery. Um, yeah, that's true. And, and I, I imagine that's part of the business model. Um, you know, there's some wineries that... Like, I haven't gone know, to a winery where, like, the the bathroom was clogged and, like... Uh, <laughs> yeah. You you, right. you know like the window was broken and it there was good. a guy with an eye patch serving this. <laughs> they're all very very nice. Right. Yeah, right. but I, I do like the ones. I kind of prefer the ones where you go in and there's like kind of a you know friendly middle aged woman. Yeah, who's like trying to <laughs> busty woman behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always that's always nice. But. Uh, no, but like, you know, there's, like one, there's like one person there and we're the only people in there. You know, there's some, oh, there's that's, couple, that's great. Yeah. There's a couple of wineries out here that have the, have domain in front of their names and you go and they're yep. these big like castles and I don't know. Um, you know, uh, Katie and I, a couple, like four, uh, four years ago went out, went to, uh, went to Italy and we were in, you know, we were in, uh, where were we? Uh, what's the famous... Italy. Yeah, but 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 the Katie, Tuscany. where were we in Italy? In Tuscany. Tuscany, thank you. Tuscany. What? Never mind. Never mind. I, I figured it out. We were in Tuscany. You know, where lots of um, <laughs> get back in your room. <laughs> great, great wine <laughs> is made, and you would go to these places, and you couldn't, you couldn't really have a tasting. It was like a a day long event that you had to like sign up for it wasn't this like yeah quaint yeah. little thing where you can well go that's harder when you're when you're overseas a- because it's tr- it's tricky like we ran into that when we when we went to uh tuscany as well like th- there's only so many places at least i mean when we went it was 2012 so like couldn't find places to book online like we you know transportation is an issue so 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 that's a little bit tricky i mean uh, you know, I'll tell you. That, I mean, you mentioned the the wineries out by you with Domain in front of their name, Chapin. And I remember, I remember we went to. I want to say it was Domain Serene that we went to the first time. Me and you and Jeremy went wine tasting out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and look, this isn't this isn't, you know, a uh, really a big issue. But like, I get when when I go wine tasting to wineries, and you guys know this, I get it. I get an industry discount, which is essentially I don't have to pay for the tasting. Should- should we tell and, the story of the first time we? Oh, I'm totally you, telling that story. Yeah. Oh, okay, uh, that'll that'll tie in. So uh, different wineries honor that differently. Like, so if I'm with the two of you, we may go in. You know, I give them my card. I tell them who I work for, and th- you know, all three of us taste for free. Other ones, I just taste for free, and you guys have to pay for the tasting. But you can kind of get an impression of like how much they're interested in your visit by that. 
You know, like how much do they right. appreciate what you're doing for them? Whether it's just coming and tasting their wines with the prospect of buying, or whether in my case that I that I could be selling their wines. You know, so like the Rocco guy who took us on a 90 minute trip and opened what we what turned out to be a hundred dollar Pinot in his fields. Right. that was a pretty uh, exactly. special experience. Right, because I sell his wine, and like that's part of the networking world of wine, and some people honor that, you know, appreciate that, respect that more than than others and we went to domain serene and we would be lucky to get a fucking glass never mind a pour and then paid like 20 bucks for the pour and look domain serene's a huge winery they don't need me they don't need us they you know so fine each his own so i i'm not totally like you know stepping on them for that um but you know i just think it's indicative of the type of wineries you go to um that bummed you guys out, of course, that we didn't get the free tasting there. The one place beforehand we did, and a few other beforehand. So at first, this is our first time tasting wines together, the three of us. So what like, year was I this? I feel like mo- that was 2011. I feel like most of... No, no, got- that was 2014. Oh, it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2011, That's way- that, I, that was the year I got married. Oh, I think okay. this was like 2000. Maybe not 2014. Maybe it was 2000. Maybe it was I'll find before out, I but, got married. But yeah, I think I, you're I actually like... right, Chapin. I think you're right. Um, uh, well, it had to have been after matter. I got married because I was working at Total Wine at the time. So anyway. Um, I'll figure it out. But but, but we, what um, I would say is I was just I was very impressed by how much you – I mean, I feel like we got nearly every, um, every tasting covered, which I thought was great. I mean – yeah, back in the day, you weren't even supposed to pay for those things, much less like charge twenty dollars every time you go there, and then you got to spend fifty dollars buy two bottles or whatever to to get a to get a discount. Well, that, well yeah, we, I like how you you sugarcoated that, Chapin, that we were impressed. I mean, yeah, we. So I didn't know. I we didn't were know. Obnoxious about it. I didn't know that I the first time we went to do that. I didn't know that I got this discount. So I, the first place we went. It got brought up that I worked in the industry. They asked for a card, and they said the tasting was free. And I was like, all right, that's awesome. And then so the next place, we're like, okay, well, this will be great. And so I brought it up again. And, and uh, you know, I gave my card, and we, we tasted for free. And I remember, you know, I on this particular trip, I, I, on both trips, as a matter of fact, I, was, I drove. Um, and part of that is because I've just gotten used to being able to, like, enjoy tasting wines without drinking at all. Well, Jeremy uh, was but, supposed to find us a driver who didn't show up. That was the problem. Well, that did, that was this time. But anyway, Jeremy and Chapin, of course, are... Wait, why are you blaming in, that on me? Are I continuing was it. I was to, it. I was it. Stop. Let me finish what? the fucking story. Then, we, Jeremy and Chapin have been drinking all afternoon and are excited that we're at another winery. And that we get there and we're tasting some wines. And, and maybe the person's not paying as much attention to it. I can't really seem to bring up that I work in the industry and... And and <laughs> I remember so vividly, Jeremy tastes, takes a sip and says, oh, man, this is good. Lee, d- do you sell this at your place where you work and sell wine in the industry or something like that? And the and the person behind the counter, the poorer, says, oh, oh who do you work? Uh, and um, I tell her where I work. And she's like, you have a card? I give my card. She's like, oh, fantastic. You get the, 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 you get a free tasting. And Jeremy and Chapin simultaneously yeah! <laughs> cheer across the tasting room <laughs> that they got the free I tasting. I don't think it was that. I don't think it was that bad. Oh, it was obvious. It was pretty obvious. I, I remember. It was obvious. 
and and by the way, we should we should uh, talk about this. Uh, so yeah, we we tried to get for yeah. Champions. We should really ruin these guys, right? Yeah, um, Champions Bachelor Party. Uh, a driver from this company called Driver. D r y v e r. Yeah, D r y v e r. And we booked it. It was confirmed and then the day before they said they couldn't find anybody and we didn't, just didn't have a driver. And so that, basically what they company, do is they, they drive your car. So like they yeah. meet you somewhere and they drive your car and then, then they go home and you pay so like So essentially that's hour. all they do and, and they even have on their website for like wine tours. Right. Yeah. And we booked it way in, I mean a weeks in advance to make sure that this worked and the day before they're like yeah I can't get anybody and it's like well, what? That's yeah, what you do. This is That's your only thing. What you do? So I had read some like bad reviews about them, but it was there were not a lot of reviews to look at, which is also a you know sometimes an indicator of a of a red flag. But I mean, it was so it was so weird. Like literally, all this place does is send you drivers, and they're like, oh, we don't yeah. have a driver. Yeah, we we thought we might be best. able to take an. I thought we were going to be able to take an Uber from Portland to wine country, which is about an hour drive, and then get an Uber back, but we weren't quite sure, but we had to get around well, to and those wineries. Also, we yeah. were told there's no Ubers really moving around wine country either, so we weren't going to be able to go this from place to place. seems like an untapped market. Yeah, exactly. Sure if anyone's Business out there in wine country, get a van, put people in it, <laughs> drive them from winery to winery. Well, because... You can Collect get money. you can get drivers for wine like there's companies that do it and that that wineries will recommend and work with a lot and it's outrageously expensive. It's like it's just I, I don't know how, why it's such a popular avenue. I guess because it's the only avenue, but it's so expensive. I don't remember what we got quoted, but it was like twelve hundred dollars for the day or something to like tote us around. To, it wasn't yeah, that we much, was four or five wineries. We could have bought the wineries. Yeah. Owned them. I don't know. It maybe wasn't that much. Lee, how much? How many of you did we vis- end up visiting that on that uh, trip? Five or six, maybe. Okay, because yeah, I the remember most recent like, one. Let's try to hit as many as we can, and they're like, "Well, you want to slow down at three. I'm like, "Well, we're, you're th- you're talking to a couple of pros here, so." <laughs> <laughs> it is tiring. Like you don't realize it, but like three or four wineries can be a day. I think we did maybe five. Um, we were fucking beat the end of that day. Jeremy was... I don't know how Jeremy made it through the whole day. He went yeah, to bed I was already hung o'clock. over, to be honest. Yeah, this was the last um, day of the bachelor party, so... The last day yeah, of the Yeah, we, dro- we drove back from... Uh, 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 the, the previous day, we had finished a... We had finished 48 Coors Lights in 90 minutes, and then we had driven Playing back... that same game we played on Jeremy's bachelor party. Yeah, the next morning, and had to race back to meet this driver who had canceled... Uh, on our way back and then well no we had an appointment at the winery that's what we were trying to get right to. which we made and it was lovely and I'm glad we did that um, yeah I felt so much better after that first couple glasses of wine <laughs> what so, did we do for also lunch? wine a perfect hangover cure. we didn't eat until much later we went to that yeah, place we, and got some pizza Chapin, we did like an 18 hour fast that day <laughs> on, yeah, but, with I wine. mean if you don't count if you don't count the wine <clears throat> Uh, what else, guys? What else? Movies. Let's talk movies. 
nobody you guys we didn't get a lot of so we did we posted a, i thought you know i i'd been i watched sideways i watched this movie uh uncorked and i was in the mood i was in this wine mood i of course i texted you guys about this idea so i posted on instagram you know what's the best wine movie we didn't get a lot of uh feedback on that which was a little disappointing but there's not that many wine movies i mean there there if you include documentaries there's a lot of really good ones i mean sideways is my favorite um i think a lot of people like bottle shock a lot of people have seen that documentary psalm which is i think is really good how about um, wine scenes wine scenes that's a good one I, I obviously haven't prepared this, but I can remember. Like I remember in, even when I was a kid, um, in uh, Robin Hood, the Adventures <laughs> of Robin Hood, the Errol Flynn version. Sure. Um, they were always drinking wine, um, and I remember thinking, "Oh, that that looks really good." It was always yeah. like very red and hearty, and like it just seemed like it. There's and they were always drinking from drinking chalice in Game of Thrones. Yeah, which is um, which is great. I was so like whenever I have like <laughs> sometimes when I have like a big robust red wine, I always like imagine myself as like Robert Baratheon when he has been attacked by the boar and he's just like mm. like pouring wine down his throat, it's spilling all over my beard and stuff. Like I try to do it like that, and then it just it does doesn't have the same effect. That's well, like, yeah, that's like anytime I drink wine, it's. <laughs> Basically like that. Chapin's actually been doing that this whole podcast. Yeah. You guys can't see him, but Chapin's like, it's mostly on his shirt. (laughs) In his chest hair. Beaten by a boar. Um, What else? So so Jeremy, it was interesting. You you mentioned on the quick fix, you watched Almost Famous. Um, Mm-hmm. One we're obviously going to get to. I'd really we're not like to discuss do that. that. Really like to do yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, we can do that. We can do that soon. I knew we were going to be doing that. Um, so I watched Jerry Maguire. Mm. Out of curiosity, it's been a really long time since I'd seen that movie. Can I? Can yeah. I just predict that you're going to say it didn't hold up? <clears throat> uh, I don't know if not holding up is necessarily the right term. God, it is so fucking saccharine and cheesy and poorly done. In those res- in those regards, so how does it hold up? Like, but it's not so much like this movie doesn't hold up. Like when I say when I was, you say a movie doesn't hold up, like I think about the argument we were making about like the themes of American Beauty and the themes of Fight Club. Like they're just not relevant anymore. Like there's nothing irrelevant about Jerry Maguire. It's just like, I, I think also holding up is partly just it, it's not it doesn't what you hold remember. up. It's if if you liked it then and you thought right. it worked, and then now it's just like, why is this? Why did I? Right. So then, go that, for in this? that case, yeah, it just doesn't hold up. Like it's there. There are some good parts of it. I mean, Tom Cruise is good. I actually think Renee Zellweger is really good in it. I know we shit on her all last year uh, through Fixie season um, for that movie that none of us saw, but yeah, <laughs> um, she's really good in it. Uh, that little kid that plays her son is so funny, and he's good in it. Like those are all things I remembered about it. And and Cuba Gooding Jr. is great in it. But like, like what is this movie about? Like it's is it about yeah. like it's it makes no fucking sense. Like his his journey, his love story with with her makes no fucking sense. His his mission statement that he wrote. For why, like, made no fucking sense. Like, the whole movie was just a mess. And, like, 
I don't, I don't know what... It did work back then, though. I haven't seen it since I, then, and like, I, guess, I like, liked it back then. So I, I I'm guessing too, I probably feel the same way you do yeah, now. But God. And I used to be like the biggest Cameron Crowe fan, too. I, yeah, for sure. But like, based um, on what, though? Based on Jerry Maguire and Almost Famous. Two movies. I mean, yeah, two movies, movies, yeah. Two. And I, but that was, you know, back, I think, coming out of high school. Yeah. So... That was right I, after those, those movies, movies differently were. for sure. He, he he's just like he's so that director. I mean, Shyamalan is probably the most obvious example of this, where the formula just gets stale so quickly. Yeah, it works so well in Jerry Maguire, Almost Famous. Yeah. Say anything to some extent. God, well, do you remember when we realized this, Jason? Like the moment Elizabeth Town is just yes, like we're sitting there, sitting in excited, the theater, and in it's Elizabeth a Town. fucking joke. Yeah, it was. I to, I, it, so I point you, to Elizabeth Town as the movie, like that, uh, the movie experience of sort of losing faith in in, in a <clears> sort <throat> of cinema. So did we go into that? Because so I, Lee and I went to go see The Happening. Deliberately because we knew it was going to be bad. And no, we wanted to no, laugh that's on the it. thing. But we, we went, went into Elizabeth Liz- Town. I was. We went into it excited. Yes. Yeah. We thought, We all thought it was going to be good. So, guys, I just sent you a text. To go see it. I took this video because I knew that this scene. I knew. I just remembered this scene from the end of Jerry <laughs> Maguire, and like this is this is. I, I mean, this is pointless for our audience. But maybe I could post it on the Instagram feed. Like this is this movie in a nutshell. Like the acting, like the over dramatization of everything, this scene is it. And it's the, at the end when Cuba Gooding Jr. comes out of the locker room. He's had his big game. He hugs Jerry Maguire. Oscar winner. And then, and then uh, Jay Moore, who's fucking obnoxious and fucking terrible in that movie, is standing next to his client who's like, why don't we have that type of relationship? And then he tries to hug him and he pushes him out of the way and like steps forward <laughs> and smiles and nods at Jerry Maguire. Like it's just the that's the whole movie. Like that's every scene is like that. Um, we talked yeah, a little well, bit. About I remember this. falling for it. We talked a little bit about this on the uh, Eyes Wide Shut podcast. But I I said '96, enormous year for Tom Cruise. He does Mission Impossible and Jerry Maguire, and they're like number two and number three at the box office that year. A huge year. Like you could argue the greatest year of any actor's career ever. He gets nominated for an Oscar, and then and then he you know. Kubrick Casman's in this movie and, and um, Nicole Kidman's he's got this line in that bedroom scene where he's, he says he says to her he's talking about she's like doing that thing where she's like you men think you're so did you know do that whole mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. and she goes and he goes uh, she asks him like um, you're that sure yourself aren't you and she goes he goes no in, in Tom, Tom, typical he's Tom like, Cruise fashion no I'm sure of you Right. In such a like, it's such a Jerry Maguire line, and she just starts laughing in his face. His real wife starts laughing in his face about a Tom Cruiseism, and it like just it's the beginning of the shattering of that movie, which just makes it such so much more brilliant because it's like a it's like a <laughs> layer on top of a layer on top of a layer of his real career. Yeah, it it, it really but it literally mean, would have like, been it would have been if at the end of the movie when. When Tom Cruise gives his speech, I miss my wife, uh, uh, you complete me. And Renee Zellweger, instead of saying you had me a hello, just starts laughing at him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how that movie should have ended. But let's say we, but we all love Tom Cruise. 
as an actor. Yeah, of and course. he's good in it. And like you get this kind of cool like insight into sports agency for a little bit. It's kind of like a you know it's that part part of it's cool. There's this really good um, pacing to the movie, especially at the beginning. Uh, that's exciting, and I like it. And so it's got some positives. It's not a total disaster, but like I just don't don't understand what we saw in that movie. So, but, um, I I mean I'm but really, I I'm I can tell you I can excited. I can because I haven't rewatched. It, I can tell you exactly my feelings of why it worked back then. I fell for the emotional con- connective tissue in okay. that movie. So, and that's a good point because like you still can. But all you have to do is, like, literally take a single t- small step back, and it all just makes no fucking sense. Like, why are these characters together? The whole movie is about how Jerry Maguire can't be alone. And, like, is, I, is I great, at friendship, that, great at friendship, then. bad at intimacy. And the end of the movie just proves that. He didn't learn anything. <laughs> he just has to go back to her because he can't be by himself. I do remember thinking, even back then, what what year was that, 96? Yeah. Yeah, I remember thinking, so what, we were... Well, I don't think you thought in, it then, but... No, maybe the, even in middle school. I, 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 I remember 12. thinking... Okay, so yeah. I remember thinking, whenever I saw it around then, 13, 14, right. 15 years old, like, why is she, why is she with him? Is she with him because he's good looking? Like is, <laughs> yeah. she, is he st- she staying with him because he's good looking and he's Tom Cruise in a in a, in a certain way <clears throat> because it made no sense for that relationship. You know why I'm excited about Almost Famous? I mean, one, it's a movie I really because enjoy. this because this same conversation is, pot- is a potential one to be had. <laughs> no, no, no. I just think. Um, I mean, that movie, you know, I think I compare it same, of course, it's just a year later. I compare it a little bit to Magnolia, but it's, I mean, it it is, it's very autobiographical, right? Like, that's what happened to him. Like, he he went on tour as a Rolling Stone uh, reporter with a band, right? Didn't At a very young age, yeah. um, I mean, that's so cool. I think about being being a director and getting $60 million to make a movie, like, literally a autobiographical movie. Not like... You know, not just like oh yeah, there's some elements yeah, yeah. that are like my real life, but this is actually an autobiography. So I suppose some of it is nonfiction. Um, yeah, yeah. Can I, I won't I won't reveal my thoughts on it because I recently saw it. So can I go? Uh, I'll now stay are we quiet. doing Untitled or are we doing Almost Famous? Like what what are we doing here? What do you mean? What does that mean? Well, Untitled is the director's cut. Oh, really? I didn't know there were. I've, no, this is the almost famous, the theatrical release, the only one I've ever seen. i never seen okay. that director's cut. Um, can I go just off, uh, just so I don't forget this again, because there's like three podcasts in a row where I had to bring this up to you, and this is now the only type of podcast where I feel like it would be appropriate. But I, I <laughs> did you guys notice in Castaway, at the end of Castaway, when Tom Cruise is in Helen Hunt's house? Um, that she makes him coffee and then offers him 1%, 2%, or half and half, or whole milk or something. And she, But she apologizes that she doesn't have skim milk, but she has like three different types of milk to offer him. No, he, she doesn't have half and half, which is his favorite. Okay, so she says, do you have, I have 1%, 2%, and skim milk. Yeah. Why does she, why does she have three types of milk? Excellent Any, question. Ruin the movie. I, I don't even know what. what to Good say thing you that. remember that, Lee. Though I'm I want, I know. That. You know what? Fuck. <laughs> you. Both of you are drinking shitty wine. All right. 
I didn't want oh, to say. Oh, here it, it comes. I'm not, I'm not so, sure ladies and gentlemen, this is, is what it's <laughs> what it's like. I couldn't even find. Really like. I couldn't even find Jeremy's wine on the internet. <laughs> That's how bad it is. <laughs> yeah. Never invite him over for a bottle. Have you guys? He starts you guys out, oh yeah, that's yeah, not whatever. True. It doesn't yeah. matter. And then later, oh yeah, yeah, drinking shitty wine. And what am I doing here? That he starts well, I, smashing I specifically want wine to impress. I am not me. like. I'm not like that. Um, guys, what have you been watching lately? Gary Maguire. Okay. Sideways and on. None of you guys have watched. Were, are we doing the Portrait of a Lady on Fire one yep. tomorrow? When are we doing yep. that? Uh, I mean, well, I prefer whenever. Monday if we could, but. Yeah, you know, Monday's fine. I watched it. Um, yeah, watched Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I actually fire. watched it one and a half times. Good. Um, um, I, I watched it one in okay. Uh, so a few you guys, minutes. the two of you guys, I remember you both had your blogs named after his movies. Um, Katie, I showed Katie, uh, um, Sunset Boulevard mm. a couple years ago, and she absolutely loved it i think it was like one of her favorite movies you know she usually just walks Great. away and she's like i can't believe we wasted our time with those movies but she absolutely loves sunset boulevard knowing that but that we was like last september in gray area she does that too. <laughs> yeah she we showed her the i showed her my movies and she fell asleep and couldn't be bothered but um no but if i i want to show her another um another uh of that director's name what's his billy what's his, wilder billy wilder billy wilder who do, what i mean do you if guys she hasn't seen I, the apartment that's the one i mean the it. apartment and double indemnity are the next two she needs to that's see. what i was thinking now i'm trying to wait which one should i show those so, two? With, so with the lady the apartment's well, uh, better one not, i think i mean not necessarily because double indemnity can serve as a a, a serious hook for that director like you watch double indemnity like that movie is so captivating Look, I like, like Double Indemnity better, but I say The Apartment, the answer. I, and I think I like The Apartment more, but I, it, I don't know. It depends. Depends what kind of mood you're in. I mean, I think Apartment is is amazing. I think either one of those is is fine to go with. Um, I do want to plug our just effing watch it challenge on the on Instagram. I think people have been slacking a little bit. Um, yeah, fizzled out a bit. I know people have been nominated. I don't think they've watched their movies, and if they have, they have. I'm gonna follow up right posted. now. Posted. Um, so I want to make sure these people are getting things going. We've had, we've got a couple situations where, uh, people have accepted their challenge and challenged somebody else. Excellent. Um, I do not think that we've gotten to the next level. You know what I mean? At least from what I can tell. So we can't always tell because if people have private accounts and we're not following them, we can't see their posts. So it's possible that it's, it's continued. Um, but we do want to make sure people are doing it. Just because this is a great exercise. I mean, you get to watch a movie. What the fuck could be wrong with that? You get to watch a movie that's probably, you know, you never probably good. normally yeah. would have watched. So I, I nominated somebody to watch The Apartment, and she watched it. Somebody who, she said, I, I can read you her exact text to me. Um, she, she doesn't uh, watch older movies. At all, like her. I think her favorite movie might be Space Jam. Um, well, that's an older movie. <laughs> well, yes, true. <laughs> uh, They're remaking it. They're editing it right now. She said it was not what I was expecting, uh, but really good. I had. Uh, I didn't realize they made movies like that back then. So Who she didn't realize that. That uh, I work with her. 
So this is someone that works in movies? In the film industry, yes. And she didn't realize they made movies like that back then, the dark nature of it. So Um, she's basically referring to the fact that, like, they would admit that people were having affairs back then? Yes. And and suicide could be a Suicide, affairs, all the good stuff, all the classics. Guys, I have a question. I, I, I have noticed that about, like, people I work with in, in, I mean, not film, but in the commercial industry, people who obviously you would think would love movies, but just don't don't care, you know, like grips and gaffers and yeah, yeah, yeah. not interested. Yeah, I think that's interesting, too. Um, I, I would I, I I felt like this is, you know, part of the reason I ended up in the wine industry is because I felt like the film industry what I was doing in the film industry at the time wasn't for me. Um, and without, you know, pointing anybody out or any movies in particular out, you know, towards the end when I was starting to wonder if this was for me, I started paying attention to, you know, other people on sets, um, you know, their, their attitudes towards what they were doing. And I would say that it's not just, grips and gaffers i think writers and producers and directors don't fucking care about movies and don't like what they're doing at times um jeremy i'm sure you can speak much more knowledgeably to that than i can and maybe I that's mean, not entirely I, true but it, that at least is a little is bit like, of what it's i saw hard to, it's hard to tell a lot of times like what i notice so I've I've been doing it a while now. So like what I notice is like people new people coming into it. They they still want to go and talk about movies and talk right. about their fate. And and it's nice, but at the same time, for people who've been doing it a long time, it becomes a job. So yeah, of as course, much as that's I, how they make and a that's living. Fine, yeah. Well, I totally the, get that. Like for example, like if you didn't know, I did this film podcast and like that, like movies, like I do. Most of my coworkers wouldn't even know how into to film I am because it's it's not something we really discuss. It and it's not a necessary job. for ninety percent of the jobs on a set. You don't have to know right. jack shit about a movie. I remember when we you know we had a premiere for our, our last the last movie we made, very similar to the one you were in, Jeremy, last September. And you know there were real people who worked on that movie who work in have real jobs in in the industry and. I was expecting them to want to show up and like, oh my god, it's so cool to, you know. I was expecting them to be like, you know, it's cool to see our work, you know, in a in a movie theater in Portland. And you know, some people did show up, but most didn't. And then I was, you know, hurt at the time. But it's just, it was something they worked on for fifteen days, you know, nine months ago (laughs) or a year ago. Like, why, why would they be interested in that, you know? And um, now I I guess you know, if you're interested and you worked on that movie. I got plenty of DVDs in the basement, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess, like, the thing is you don't know. You don't always know because. For sure. Unless you start start talking. Like, a lot of people you eventually talk to, and they are, like, into film, and and then some are not. Some are. And a a film set is a stressful environment. Like, you're not going to see. You're not going to smile and faces and, like, yeah, like, you're not always going to see that. So, I get that, and I I was very cognizant of that. Um. I just think that I I looked at it in in a uh, under a lens that like I I don't think I want this to become a job and you know I to a certain extent a little bit of that has happened with wine with me as well like I really I just enjoy wine and learning about wine and, and and drinking wine but once it becomes a job you start to enjoy it a little bit less and look that's that's life right but 
Um, you know, you f- try to find a balance, which is why I love doing this podcast. I'm glad we started doing it again because now I, I can infuse the two of them. Wine and Well, movies. I mean, in, in this episode. After this, you're going to Well, I drink your, wine almost every episode. Filthy mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy acts like I'm fucking evil when he drinks wine. I don't judge your... In fact, I can't be judge. Most of the wines you have at your house are the ones I give you, so... That's true. Hey, wait, fair, I don't get it. Well, I want some wines. What the fuck? Well, they're, well, they're mostly half open. Yeah, they're cast-offs. <laughs> they're the ones he doesn't like, but I uh, drink them right up. Yep. Uh, all right, guys. Should we wrap it up? This has been uh, fun and different. I don't want to wrap it up. It's still early I, for Chapin. Yeah, Chapin's not even done a bottle. Just kidding. He's already done a bottle. <laughs> Uh, I have a letter to write, I'm afraid, gentlemen. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta have old, some dinner. I have to get out the old... Jeremy, uh, how, how's uh, Vermont? and ink. Uh, it's good, yeah. Um, so, this how is how is much... How big is that house? Because, like, you're, you're in a... You're, it looks like you're in the, in the, um, the attic? An attic, he seeks. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Chapin, I... you were never I, into Arrested I, Development, were you? Yeah. No. Are we done recording? Um, uh, yeah, let's yeah. wrap it up. Okay, that'll wrap it up. Guys, All right, we'll see geez. you guys. Um, I'll see you in two days for a Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah, much more serious.